Hello, and welcome to the Book Bat Podcast, where we help you navigate and explore the world of Christian fantasy books. I'm your co-host, Carlissa J. And I'm your other co-host, Jason. I did it that time, didn't I? Ah, <laughs> uh, you'll listen and you'll find out. Oh, okay. So this episode is about friendship, the lost magic. Romances, gothic or otherwise, are popular, and for whatever reason, have had long-staying power in storytelling. Whether it's in Shakespeare's plays like Romeo and Juliet, classic Disney animated movies like Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast, or even Christian fantasy novels like The Sword of the Dragon by Scott Appleton, there seems to be a lot of appeal in romantic relationships. But what happens when seemingly all relationships are viewed through that lens? Now, to be clear, I'm not speaking out against romantic relationships. The fact that Carlissa and I are married to each other should speak to that. However, over the years, I've become more and more aware that romantic relationships appear to be held in higher regard than garden-variety friendships. Like a romantic relationship is the only way a friendship can level up. Can't people just be really good friends and that's it? I'm aware this probably comes across like a rant. And to be fair, it's one I've made to Carlos more times than I can count in recent memory. But let's back up for a minute. Recently... Carlissa and I and our kids just finished watching the show My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. It's a fun cartoon with surprising depth in lore, storytelling, and character. And the main characters simply stay friends and none of them ever get a romantic story arc. Any romance is left for side characters to explore and with the main characters at best being adjacent to it. Primarily Big Mac, from what I remember. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nope. And you know what? The show's all the better for it. Honestly, if the main lead, Twilight Sparkle, had a romantic story arc, that would have felt distracting. I know they toyed with that idea in the spin-off show, Equestria Girls, but honestly, since that felt more like a parody of like High School Musical or something like that, it really didn't feel like it was that important. It was just kind of a, ha ha ha, I know what you're doing here. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, they really did a good job of sticking to their theme of friendship and what friendship is and how to develop good friendships. Another quick example, no pun intended apparently, (laughs) would be the world of IDW Comics' Sonic the Hedgehog. There's a huge cast of characters spanning a lot of its lengthy run. Some of from the previous Archie Comics run were omitted, but whatever, that's neither here nor there. And somehow, the world doesn't seem like it's missing anything by not having at least one of its leads in a romantic relationship. The closest we ever get is Amy Rose and her everlasting crush on Sonic. But at this point, it that just feels more like a running joke. That will always be the case of unrequited love. But honestly, it's never a distracting point where all of a sudden, you know, we're left hanging. Will Amy ever get that date with Sonic? so there's no romance as i said but you know what the overarching theme of the series as a whole is friendship both the bonds of previously existing friendships like sonic and tails knuckles and amy and new ones like tangle and whisper one thing that reoccurs throughout the entire series is that sonic is always eager to hold out the hand in friendship to anyone The only exception that comes to mind is Starline, but in all fairness, Starline was never in a position for Sonic to do so. Heck, there's even a case of anti-friendship, you know, what friendship shouldn't look like in Surge and Kitsunami to juxtapose everything else in the series. 
to kind of just, yeah, it stands out as kind of like, okay, this is weird, even if the reader may not be able to articulate why. Mm-hmm. Not a very healthy relationship. Definitely not. But um, since, as Carlissa keeps on pointing out, we are here primarily to talk about Christian fantasy, and neither of the two things I've talked about thus far would qualify under that. Let's shift to Tolkien's Middle Earth. The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit are all sprawling quests that are held together by the bonds of friendship. Whether immediate friendships that are present from the get-go, like Frodo and Sam, reluctant friends like Legolas and Gimli, or even friendships that are only realized after great hardship, like Bilbo and Thorin Thorin Oakenshield. In the case of those stories, a romantic story arc would have been distracting at best. So why do we insist that they're so central, like the regrettable shoehorning between, I think it was Feely and the elf lady whose name escapes me in the Hobbit movies, which was completely unnecessary and made me just go, why, why? I wonder if part of this comes down to the fact that, at the very least in this culture, we tend to think that it's impossible for a guy and a girl to spend any significant amount of time together without developing feelings for each other beyond that of friendship. And with the increased demand for both sexes to be present in our stories, then obviously at least two of them are bound to wind up romantically involved, right? And the way you get around that is having the leads all be children. That is one way that they try to get around it, although frankly some stories still play with the idea of I guess so. two of them having some level of romantic feelings toward each other and that feels awkward. C.S. Lewis cheated and had them all be siblings. So I'm going to ask a few questions, and this is going to be the part where we expect someone, specifically Carlissa, to answer with words put together in sentences and coherent thoughts. Well, there's three of them, so let's go with the first one here. Why is there a demand for at least a romantic subplot in our fantasy stories? Is this a case of perceived audience demand, cultural expectations of having A story with characters of both genders. Why? I mean, reading older books too. Even going back to like ancient Greek stories and stuff. There's lots of romance. Well, and I get that romance is a, you know, a part of the human experience and all that. That's not what I'm saying. Those stories, yeah, could also talk about really deep friendships and yeah, bonds of people brought together through difficult circumstances. That's not something we're very good at talking about anymore. Well, yeah, we seem to think that if two people are close, regardless of gender at points, it's like, oh, the only way they could be that close is if they are romantically involved in some way, shape, or form, which to me at least just grinds me because it's like, Yeah, there's this whole rant I've done with you several times about we seem to expect that it's impossible for a guy and a girl to just be friends and that's it. And I'm like, okay, you're kind of saying that we're essentially animals where if a guy and a girl are alone, doesn't matter if they're adults or whatever, they will inevitably grow romantic feelings for each other. In which case... Because at my workplace, I work around a lot of women. I don't hold out a lot of hope for our relationship. (laughs) I wonder if some of it is we don't think very deeply as a culture of what it means to see another person as like a brother or sister to you, even if they're 
not family. I mean, we have the whole concept of family you choose, but we don't really seem to think deeply about what it means. What is the relationship between a brother and a sister supposed to look like? And what does it mean to love each other deeply as brother and sister? Without any romantic entanglements or whatever. Yeah. Or brother, brother and sister and sister. Yep, that's true. I'd say it's just a case of what our culture meditates on. What you meditate and what on we is expect. what you, yeah, what you meditate on is what you expect. And that's what you bring out into the world. Hence my frustration with a lot of stories. Second one. Does the persistence of romantic relationships and the lack of just friendships portrayed in our stories play into Western culture's increasing loneliness? There are countless studies that have come out, you know, especially since COVID that have highlighted this. You don't have to look too hard to find them. Would it help if we normalize the importance of friendships and just relationships in general outside of romantic ones? You know, going back over 10, 10 plus years, we've had ads on, you know, TV for dating apps and stuff like that to help you meet that special someone. But in a way, I almost kind of wonder if we need something like that to help us meet just a friend. <laughs> I would say people come up with lots of theories about where loneliness comes from in our culture. But it does seem like we're, we're not very well trained in how to actually build friendships. I mean, I don't feel well trained. <laughs> well, part of that for you and I may in part come down to the fact that we are both introverts, so that doesn't mm -hmm. help. Extroverts, for good reason, tend to have an easier time making friends and connections. Mm -hmm. I have a couple siblings who are like that, so <laughs> insert them in there. To be fair, getting back to my the initial part of this question, I do think the lack of friendships, you know, people just being good friends in our stories. It's either a symptom of our culture or it's influenced. It's kind of a chicken or egg thing, but I think it is part and parcel of it. It's certainly, if nothing else, not helping the fact that we are pounding home the message in our stories that, oh, there's two characters here. For Christian fantasy purposes, it's a guy and a girl. They are going to become romantically involved, even if it doesn't make sense to the story, really. Like, one thing that, especially in retrospect, really annoys me is in the Dorothin trilogy, when the main character, Aiden, gets sucked into the other world, and the first person that he connects with is a girl named Queen or something like that. And of course, they become romantically involved. Okay, I would need to reread that series you keep bringing it up and i keep being like i don't remember the series as well as i should <laughs> i read and reread books i'm not the type of person who reads them once and goes well that was a read i will never read this book ever again i'll read the door within trilogy again sometime it was very frustrating and then of course when he meets that well the parallel earth beings glimpses or whatever yeah. when he meets the real world equivalent of her i forget her name for some weird reason of course they rekindled or whatever the romantic relationship transfers over some way somehow it's annoying as all heck and in part it kind of feels not earned like i get him forming a connection with her and having a sense of closeness with her. But at the same time, part of me is kind of like, I felt connections with more than a few women. And that doesn't mean that I have romantic feelings towards them. But I digress. All right. 
And final question: What stories come to your mind that feature and promote the value of friendships, preferably ones that don't have a romantic relationship as one of the story's central relationships? Yeah, you cheated and took all the good ones. My Little Pony and <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, and baby. Lord of the Rings. Ooh, yeah, that one. And The Hobbit. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I just thought of one, and then it slipped my mind. Friendship. <laughs> Oh, you want another one? Yeah. The Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah, that was one as like, I mentioned, yeah. Like one that comes to mind is just the way different characters relate to Prince Caspian, or just Caspian, I guess he's not always a prince. It's a friendship type thing. I know in the Disney movie Prince Caspian, they tried to shoehorn a relationship arc between Caspian and Susan, but in the book, there is no such arc there. You see especially between Caspian and Edmund and Lucy and later on Eustace, there is a connection there. And I don't know, it's interesting to watch that friendship evolve and work. It's one of the few times in the Chronicles of Narnia that there's actually evolving characters really beyond the most basic. What, outside of Edmund, there's not a whole lot of character evolution. Well, maybe there's a little bit with Shasta and the horse and his boy, but character evolution and development isn't really high on the Chronicles of Narnia yeah. checklist. <laughs> and reading C.S. Lewis's book on stories, yeah, it's just that character-driven stories were not as much his thing. Which, that's fair. I'm not saying that's a, inherently a bad thing. I'm just saying. But I would say his book, Out of the Silent Planet, the main character develops a close friendship with an alien. Oh, there you go. See, and that one certainly wasn't romantic. No. <laughs> that was almost like two philosophers bouncing things off each other. Or him just living on an alien planet and building friendships there. I mean, they compare when they first meet each other, they compare it to he has this poetic way of trying to describe what's it like when two different but rational species meet each other. Compared it to romance in some ways, but not at the same time. <laughs> It's nothing like that at the same time because it's nothing like anything we've ever experienced. But yes, I had something in mind that was about friends. Well, sorry, I'm just <laughs> trying to rack my brain trying to think of it. and Like, especially thinking through um, a lot of the Christian fantasy I've read, there always seems to be a romantic relationship as one of the central ones. You know, I mentioned what it is in the Dorothin trilogy, in Lane Thomas Batson's Pirate's duo books again it's a romantic relationship is one of the central ones between yeah two of the main characters i forget their yeah. names off the top of my head in no most of the christian fantasy i'm thinking of yeah scott appleton's the sword of the dragon series it's not just one but multiple romantic relationships that are the central ones i would say though i wonder if to some extent in order to market to a Christian audience, it's seen as beneficial to have a romantic subplot because Christian romance is one of the main Christian fiction genres. Well, and I guess there's the stereotype out there that exists for a reason that says guys don't read books, especially fiction. I was going to say Redwall. There, I remembered. That is true. There, <laughs> there are some... I mean, it varies from book to book how much. Well, you never plays a saw role, romance but... in it. Like, um, the closest that comes to my mind is well, in the first one so is Matha. Jacks. Yeah, Red Ball series. Yes, Brian Jake's Red Ball series. Yeah. The f like in the first 
when he published the self-titled one. You have Matthias and Cornflower, but again, it's not really hyped up as a romance, really. It's almost more he's the hero and she's the damsel in distress. Not that they're inherently romantically connected. Yeah, they become married later, but there isn't this huge romantic overarc in the story. And then in the next one, Matameo, you have something similar between Matameo and, ah, geez, I forget the other one's name. And yeah, they wind up getting married after the end of the story. But at the same time, there's no romantic subplot going throughout that story. It's just kind of, oh, and FYI, they got married. Yeah, and most of the books, those would be some of the books that actually do have a kind of romance element to them. But yeah, it's more that they're just on an adventure together. And I guess the adventure in the epilogue that we find out. But there wasn't even any hints of them being romantically involved. Like you Mm -hmm. could have found out later on that they, they maybe married someone else or didn't get married at all. And you wouldn't be like, oh, wow. That's a huge missed opportunity by the storyteller. Why didn't they do that? That would have made sense. That's the case. The normal case in Redwall stories is that there's, if there is any romantic connections, it seems like they always happen off screen. And it's never in a way where you feel like as the audience, you've missed something. So can you think of any Christian fantasy that doesn't have a romantic subplot or main plot to it yeah mostly what i think of is c.s lewis's books because also till we have faces um the main character never even gets married she has like some romantic desires at various points but anyway the main thrust of the plot is her relationship with her sister so i wouldn't say it's about friendships it's actually more about a rural so the main character discovering more about herself and more about God through different choices she makes. Well, and I guess that's one advantage of Lewis's approach of his stories not being character driven, because when your story is a narrative driven, then it's more driven by, you know, the stories. It's almost like a thesis paper, you know, it's driven by the central thesis more so than anything that the characters within it do. You know, the characters are more or less, you know, they're just a part of the action and to get the thesis from point A to point B. Something like that. So maybe what I'm saying is, as much as I like character-driven stories, maybe Christian fantasy needs more narrative-driven stories. (laughs) Incidentally, Carlissa, what are those two books you got on this desk and why are they here? Well, because I said we're giving reading updates now, remember? I thought we were going to do it at the beginning. Well, you had your outline worked out and I, yeah, didn't interrupt it. So we can put it at the end. Hey, I don't think that's a problem. Fine, get it over with. So we are still reading Thrawn Treason by Timothy Zahn. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I am also reading Leo Shine, book one, Princess Oracle by N. McCameron. And I am rereading Jason M. Baxter's book, The Medieval Mind of C.S. Lewis. Is, does that one count? It's not fantasy, sweetie. It's fantasy adjacent because it's about a fantasy author. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I said fantasy or fantasy adjacent. Okay, fine. This is helping you understand fantasy better. 
Speak for yourself, you not me. C.S. Lewis better. So do I have to say what I'm reading? Oh, yeah. What else are you reading? <laughs> yes, Carla. So I do have a life outside of you. You're not the only one who does things. I am currently rereading the Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess manga. I forget the name of that the creators go by. You'll find it. <laughs> <laughs> if you're curious, you'll find it. It's not that hard. But it's good. Although there is eh, not really a romantic subplot in there, but there There's multiple hints of romantic subplots, but it's like nothing Nothing's ever expounded upon. Yeah. I guess in part because it would distract from the main narrative. Mm-hmm. Which I guess is something that I'd also be okay with if, you know, more Christian fantasies. Because, yes, I'm not stupid. Romance happens. You know, it's part of our human nature. It's something we connect with. So it, I'm not saying that's a bad thing that it happens. Yeah, it's a common theme throughout cultures, throughout history for stories. But I guess, yeah, part of my main complaint is the f- our need to centralize it, make it a central thing of our stories. And also, I'm still mad that Ilya winds up with that nerd <laughs> at the end of it. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. She, well, it's You're strongly... spoiling it for people. <laughs> it's strongly hinted she winds up with that nerd and not with Link. And normally, I don't care if Link gets romantically involved with anyone, but... No, and this goes back to when I played the game, okay? When I played the game, I was kind of like, aw, she's a sweet girl, Link. She's a, she's a keeper, man. Don't be an idiot. And sure enough, that silent, mute guy just goes over his head. <laughs> what a turn. <laughs> but oh well, Link turns into a wolf, so that part's always cool. Oh, come on. I can't be the only one who spent, like, minutes just holding down on the Z-targeting so that way the wolf crouches and starts growling as he circles his opponent. He's like, ooh, this is fun. Grr. Grr. <laughs> yep. Sorry. So, this has been the Book Bat Podcast. You can find us at www.book-bat.com and on Facebook as book.bash book dash bat I am never going to record an ending sweetie because this is getting too fun to watch how this gets messed up this is great (laughs) and you can also find this podcast on the website and on apple podcasts under I'm pretty sure it's just book bat without the dash it still has the dash oh it still does yeah okay that's cool it has the dash we are consistent good for us yes And if you happen to get it from there, please leave a rating, preferably five star. I don't know why people always ask for five star rating, though. Is that just that way it's positively remembered in the algorithms or whatever? I don't know. Something like that, I think. And yeah, subscribe. That would be nice. One day I'm going to check and see if anyone has subscribed. I doubt anyone has. I know your parents haven't, and that drives me nuts. Do we subscribe to a lot of the podcasts we listen to? No, but we actually listen every single one, so that makes up for it, unlike most people. But I digress. Goodbye. Bye.